Next month. The world is night and black and white. No colour here, not for a long, long while. Maybe someday it will return, but not while Mother Moon rules the sky. The sky is always black, the moon is always white. The trees are black, the ground white with snow in places, and blackened earth in others. This is the world, and the creature likes it that way. He stands behind a tree, wearing that awful face, and waits to see who may come his way. Nobody alive knows what his face looks like. It is always covered by a mask, a grotesque parody of a male human head, with ivory skin, giant dead hollow black eyes, a mouth and a sickening smile, and a black hood behind. It is not his face, but he can change the expression on the mask. Sometimes the mouth disappears, and the mask is blank. Somehow, this is worse. There is also a body that stands on two legs. It's covered in fur so thick and so dark, he can fade into just about any shadow he chooses. His feet are more like a bird's claws than anything you or I may have, and his fingers stretch away from his hands in long, dexterous talons. He wears no clothes, but there is always a belt around his waist which carries a pouch, a small flute, and a sword. The sword is a strange thing to have. His talons are each easily sharp enough to hurt whatever and whoever he likes. Today his smile is gone. Today his blank face waits for something. He waits for you. There is a hole dug deep in the ground, through the forest of black trees and underneath the white snow. Nobody could find a hole unless they were taken there. The hole is big. Work has been done to it many times over, and what looks like nothing more than a badger set from the surface leads into a very large cavern. There are even a couple of tunnels that lead away from the cavern and towards private areas. It should be covered in a thick darkness, but a little magic has been allowed, and the place is a low white glow, enough so that anybody inside can see just how dark it is if they squeeze their eyes together. This is the creature's place, and its prison for children. The cavern is where they sleep, and the tunnels are where they dig, until he has another use for them. This is where he's going to take you. never takes more than one a month, always when Mother Moon is fullest and fattest. Pregnant, some call her, though not to her face. He could take more, but doesn't want to seem greedy. He waits for a child to pass through his black tree wood, then he shows the child his face. Once they see those eyes and his smile, that awful smile, they fall into a trance. He doesn't touch them. I don't know if he ever touches them. But once they're in the trance, he simply walks away, and they follow. He needs them, you see. He kills one a month, a sacrifice to Mother Moon and the darkness to let him live forever. He used to kill them as soon as they were in his power, but he soon saw that there were so many children lying around all over the countryside, and if people were coming looking for them, they weren't looking very hard. So now he leads them into his warren, where he gets them to dig for a year, shaping out his underground fortress of tunnels and secret rooms. Then he kills the oldest. He always has twelve children in the warren, no more and no less. The one who has been there longest gets a title. They get called Next Month. That was what they called me. They called me Next Month. And as you come down that path towards the wood, towards the tree that the creature stands behind, that's what someday they will all call you.
I was walking, just the way you are now. Going to the very same place, going home one long day of night after school. Sometimes they make you stay late, sometimes for things you didn't do. I knew mother would be worrying, so I walked that bit faster. I always walked the same way, along the road that went alongside the forest and took me from the buildings and town to the houses beyond. The richer people with their better houses had built me away from the deep dark wood, but that wasn't where we were. I never did find out what mother and father did for a living, but it clearly didn't pay very well. Our house was always needing one thing or another fixed, and nobody ever seemed to have the time to mend them. I loved it though, and I know you do too. I was hurrying home in the fading light of Mother Moon, along the road when I passed a group of six trees huddling together for warmth. I had no reason to be scared. I don't remember, but I was likely singing along the path of darkness or lost in a daydream somewhere in the myths of a world with colour. I remember seeing the creature in the trees as I passed. Seeing, without really looking, just registering him as a man out for a walk. I kept on down the road, and only saw him for what he was when he stepped onto the path before me. This foul thing covered in fur. Up close you can see what parts are matted down with blood. He stared at me with his mouthless mask. I could see a smile starting to form, and I could feel all control leave my body. My first thought had obviously been to run. I was petrified of this thing, but my feet would not obey me and turn around. Instead, they were starting to move towards the creature, who now stood there with an outstretched talon and most of a smile, no matter how much I tried to stop him. taken there and then. My feet would have carried me straight into that talon. But just as I was getting close, just as a smile with the sickening lips and the nightmare teeth was forming fully, tongue flickering in eagerness as the dark eyes prepared to take me away forever, the sky cracked directly above us and a burst of white lightning struck one of the six huddling trees. Instantly this tree was split in two, insides now open to the outside. The creature turned away from me, smile vanished in shock as he realised how close that had been to hitting him. He was only turned for a second, but that was enough. Now I had control of my legs again, I ran straight into the distracted creature, knocking him off his feet. He was so very light, he was stunned at the whole thing, stunned that anybody would do this to him. And as he was scrambling on the ground, trying to get back up, I brought my foot down onto one of his talon hands. He screamed in agony, a sound that came from inside my own head as much as behind that mask, and clutched his right hand to his chest. I could see I'd broken two talons, they were hanging loose at an angle, but I didn't see any more. I ran home faster than I had ever run before, ran through the pain in my pounding heart, collapsed in a heap as soon as the father opened the front door.
For a month I thought I was safe. Every day I thought I would see the creature waiting for me as soon as I went outside, but it was never there. We took the longer route to school those weeks. It meant an hour extra travel, but it also meant not passing through those woods. Some odd people had some awkward questions, and others accused me of lying, but even though I spent every waking moment convinced I was about to be attacked again, the month was as good as it could be. Then came the next pregnant woman. I was in bed. You were in bed. The whole house was in bed. I must have been asleep and dreaming, because I woke up convinced I had heard something outside. I hadn't slept much in the previous month. Every time I slept, I saw that awful, mouthless mask waiting somewhere for me. Dreams were something to endure, and sleep something to be postponed. But I must have been dreaming, because I woke with a start, sitting bolt upright in bed. I sat there, panting, sweat dripping down my face, just like it had done when I ran so very fast away from the creature one moment before. I sat there for many minutes, trying to fill my head with something else in the hope it would let me sleep. Then I heard the front door. It was a sound like knives scraping against the wood. Then a turn of the handle. Then footsteps in the hallway downstairs. Both mother and father were in bed. They had gone there at the same time we did. You were in the room next to mine. So who was now downstairs? I also realised that the door had been unlocked. I'd heard the turning of no key. The last thing father did every night before going to bed was make sure the door was locked. Had he just forgotten? Footsteps below. Not normal steps, but a soft thunk on the floor, followed by a scrape, as if the ball of the foot was going down, followed by sharp claw-like toes. They walked the hall, and then started climbing the stairs. That was even stranger than the scraping. Lying in my bed under the swept soap covers, I heard a couple of soft banging sounds, like hammer and nail very far away, then a scuttle, then more banging sounds, then a final scuttle. The creature couldn't climb stairs like you or I, he had to climb them like a mountain. His talons would dig into the wooden stair, he would drag himself up. Then he would dig in a few steps further up, and repeat until he reached the top. I don't think he liked being indoors at all. The trees belonged to him, this place was strange. He got to the upstairs hallway, and was walking towards the rooms. Our rooms. My room. I knew it was the creature. I knew as soon as I heard the door downstairs. In fact, I probably knew as soon as I woke up shivering with sweat. The last month had been too easy. I'd not escaped. I'd never been safe. He'd just been waiting to get me. I looked around the room very quickly for a weapon. The only thing I found was a sleek black toy train, last year's birthday present. Not very heavy, but it would have to do. I got back under the covers, then decided I wasn't safe enough, so I climbed under the bed. My hands were shaking so much that they were starting to rattle against the floor. I put my whole chest on top of them to stop them moving, then held my breath for as long as I could manage, and then ten seconds more. He was coming closer. Thunk. Scrape. Thunk. He had just passed mother and father's room. Were they still asleep? I was about to be outside mine. Thunk. To open the door and take me. It made me look into those nowhere eyes and I'd be gone forever. I had to do something. Could I get to the window? Possibly, but where would I run to? I could shout for mother and father, but something told me this would be a very bad idea. No. Whatever would happen, it would be down to me. 
I made my body tense all over, thinking this would gather my strength. I had a plan, terrible though it was. When he opened the door, I would rush him, take him by surprise and knock him off his feet. Then I would hit him with the model train until he stopped moving. I would take his mask off. I had a feeling his power was tied up in his mask. If all that worked, I would get him to leave and never return. It was the only thing I could think of to try. I wish it had gone that way. I wish I'd got the chance. He was right outside my door. The scraping had stopped. He was about to turn the handle, and would have to either leap on him or be taken away. The moon shone through the gap in the curtains, straight against the handle. It was going to move. Any second now. Any second. Scrape. Thunk. Scrape. Moving again. Why hadn't he come inside? What had stopped him? At first I thought he was leaving, then I realised the sounds were going the other way further along the hallway. By the time I realised what was happening, it was too late. I leapt out from under the bed, train still in my hand, pushed open the door, and ran the few steps down to your room. When I got there, he was standing over your bed, claws stretched out before him, and his blank mask looking down at you. Somehow, you were still sleeping. I stood in the doorway, brandishing the train at him, and wishing I had a toy gun. He turned when he caught my shadow, and the smile began to form. Leave him alone! I meant to shout, but it came out a respectful whisper. The creature looked at me once more, let a tongue flicker about his sharp teeth. My first improbable thought was that the tongue was not connected to anything. Then it turned back to you. Wake up! A whisper shouted again. Wake up! You didn't, though. You put a hand in your chest, two of the talon points pressed against your stomach, and drew blood. I stepped closer, ready to rush into him and stop him killing you. He held up his other hand towards my face. With a few tiny gestures in the mask and his hands, he let me know that if I took one step further, he would kill you right there. I lowered the train, no longer wielding it like a weapon, and did the only thing I could to keep you safe. Take me instead. The creature paused. I actually managed to look perplexed. Not for long. The sickly smile returned soon enough. He raised his hand away from your chest, but held it just above in case I tried anything clever. No danger of that. Take me instead. I put the train in the ground and my hands on my head. He left your side, walked over to the doorway. I could see all those rows of teeth now. I counted seven as he stood over me and put his hands on my shoulders. Blood was trickling slowly down my back. I nodded, as if sealing the deal. The last thing I remember is looking into his empty eyes and realising I could see everything. I woke up in the warren to the sound of a bell, one of twelve children in a dorm on the bed furthest from the door. I got up to try and leave, 
pain from his claws shooting up my back with every step, but the other children told me not to. I moved forward, determined to get to the door. The two who slept near stick got off their beds and blocked my way. Nobody leaves, they said. We have to do as he says. My clothes had been taken. I was in a thin bit of fabric, down in the warren at the bottom of the world. Where fresh air was a memory, and the only light was a strange white glow the creature left us so we could work. A bell would ring, we would go and eat. A bell would ring, we would go and work. Bell, food. Bell, bed. Bell, repeat. That was my life for a year. Names were forbidden, and words were allowed only when necessary. More than one child forgot how to speak. We would eat in silence, thankful the light was so bad we could not see what we were putting in our mouths. Then we would dig his ever-expanding tunnels, creating his own kingdom far below the world. There were no tools, we would dig with our hands until our fingers bled. Sometimes there was treatment, sometimes there wasn't. We were never less than tired, hungry, sore and wretched. I asked so many questions when we got there, I was told to keep quiet and to shut up. Never by the creature, who we hardly ever saw, always by other children. I wondered if people were out looking for me, if I was missed. I knew you would miss me. I could only hope Mum and Dad were searching too. All these children, all the time, nobody ever talks about it. Do the adults know? Surely not. But until we can be certain, never trust an adult, not fully. Two other boys, a few months ahead of me, said they reckoned the creature had been a man once, and the mask took you over and made you something different. The girl who came a month after said he was building the warren so large because he wanted to be able to walk right under children's homes and snatch them from the beds. I thought of you then. I couldn't have him doing that. When the larger kids heard us talking about that, they made sure none of us ate for two days. The others seemed shut up and played nice, no matter how many questions I kept asking. Escape was just a bit impossible, but I still tried it twice. I knew which tunnel led to the surface. It was the one the creature came down when he brought another child. One day in my third month, I made a run for it straight from breakfast, just standing up and belting down the corridor. I was slammed to the floor by next month, and made to work the whole night through. The next time I was more subtle. I waited until it was time for bed, and I snuck out. The dull glow went out at night, but it was my fifth month then. I knew my way around by touching instinct. I crept and crawled slowly to the correct tunnel, silently walked along it, past the first turn-off, past the second turn-off, feeling the wall as I approached the third, just two more to go and then I'd be free. He was there. I didn't need any light to tell me that. What little dim glow there was showed me his mask as he stood before me, and he let out a long, deep growl to let me know exactly how close he was. He must stand there every night to make sure nobody ever got out. I turned to run, but he reached out and grabbed me, his claws putting five holes in my chest. He dragged me half the length of the long corridor, then he strode down, picked me up and threw me along the other half. Every last part of me screamed in agony, including my voice, which I think just angered him. He picked me up a third time, threw me against the table where we ate our meals, and afterwards I was unconscious for three days. I woke up on the fourth day and everything continued like none of it had ever happened.
Every month, the child who had been there the longest would be taken outside one day and never return. That night, we would move one bed closer to the door and a new child would join us. The creature always had favourites, older children generally, who kept everybody else in line. I was never a favourite, no matter how close my bed got to the door. I think they reckoned they would be spared if they kept order, but of course they were wrong. I tried telling them this, which only led to me being hit. I tried to make sure the new kids understood it. Maybe they will not be so stupid. So time moved on, and my bed was the one by the door. For the first time in a year I had the name, next month. As the longest serving person there, I was de facto leader, and I also had a measure of responsibility. I made sure, with a couple of well-placed kicks, the two boys who had appointed themselves favourites saw the error of their ways. I also had a plan. Well, I had a stick. Just a bit of wood. I found it in the soil when we were digging a few months before. I spent all the time I could sneak away to myself sharpening it, getting the tip to a point. I would only have one chance I needed it to work. The day came. The day of the pregnant moon. The day of my death. The creature came down for me, just like he had for all the others. He led me along the long corridor where I had tried and failed to make my escape. We went into a small room. He got me to change out of my tattered robe and put on a fresh white linen one. He took something from a box, drew a symbol on my forehead using whatever was inside. It felt sticky and smelled awful. When he bent down to put the box away, I tucked my wooden stick into my white linen sleeve. Then came the outside. The creature, me in the middle, and one of the favourite boys behind, clearly none the worse for a kick in the balls three days before. I knew the favourites helped out in these things. It was much easier, apparently, with two people. They took me to the top of a hill in the edge of the forest. I was so pleased to feel the air in my face and see the sky, I forgot what was coming, just for a moment. The wind was wonderful, it seemed to blow the awful year just away. I felt energised, which was good, I was going to need it. There was a circle at the top of a hill, in the middle of a clearing. Six large rocks arranged to keep out whatever needed keeping out and keep in whatever needed keeping in. They made me kneel in the very centre. The favourite stood on the backs of my legs, pushing down hard, grabbed my hair and pulled my head back. The creature, his rows of teeth muttering words behind his mask in a language nobody should ever speak aloud, was going to cut my throat with one of his talents as soon as he stopped talking, and I'd been no more. But I still had my stick. Just as the words came to a finish, just before his talents serrated my neck, I took the wooden stick, twisted round and drove it into the favourite's thigh. He screamed. I leapt up and punched him square in the jaw. He fell over fast. Now it was the creature's turn to scream. He swiped at me as I ran for the woods, catching me deep in the back. Two gouges out of my flesh and a lot of blood dripping as I ran. Got to keep running. Must keep running. I could hear him behind me, pushing along the ground with those strange clawed feet. He did not like this, just as he did not like the stairs. Every step I took was a step away from him. The direction did not matter as long as I kept moving, with the wind flowing around me and the outside world to protect me. It couldn't last. I couldn't last. The creature may be slower, but he never stopped, and he was always there. Must have run for half an hour. Ran until the pain shot up my sides and my back was a sticky, bloody mess. I could still hear him coming. He would never stop. I needed to rest, needed to breathe, had time for neither. I stopped by two imposing trees where a decent-sized branch had been sheared off. I picked it up in my hands. He would scuttle past here, following the trail of blood I was leaving from the tears at my back. If I could hit him once, then I could hit him twice. If I could hit him twice, then I could hit him a third time, and maybe he'd not get back up. Maybe I could even take his mask off. I held the branch in my hands, it was almost the size of me. Big enough to drop a monster. I heard him coming. I waited. 
I heard him scutter closer. I waited. I heard him growl and sniff the air. I waited. I waited until it was level with me where he stopped. I think he could sense me. I took a deep breath, screamed and swung the branch. It hit him right in the side of the mask, sending him flying off to one side. It worked. God, it worked. He got up quick, charged at me. I hit him again, in the chest this time. He doubled over and fell to the ground. I moved in to hit him a third time, filling with anger and determination. He kidnapped me, enslaved me, hurt me, was going to kill me. He'd done this to countless others, and he would do this to countless more. He needed to pay. As I moved closer, he actually backed away, shuffling along the forest floor until he got to his feet. The moon shone down on us both, watching with interest. I tried, Michael. I really tried. Maybe I should have run away when he was on the ground. But I thought I was doing the right thing, as well as the right thing. I moved towards him when he was off balance, looking to swing the branch a third time and put him down the I brought it to my shoulder, ready to strike, but it was far too heavy to use like that and I lost my balance. The creature flinched, expecting a blow, but when he saw me stagger and stumble, he couldn't blow his lip. He also didn't waste a single moment. He moved towards me, dug his claws inside and just about tore at my chest. I dropped to the ground and went dying in the moonlight. He stood over me and talked to me in four simultaneous languages from all those rows of teeth. Blank mask filled with hate. You've denied me a sacrifice. You forced me to kill you like a wayward hunting dog, when it could have been so elegant. No matter. Mother Moon will have her blood tonight. You have a brother. He will do nicely. He will bleed in a circle and all will be fine. But first, mark my words, he will suffer. He doesn't need his limbs to die in the circle, or his skin. And there are so many hours of time left for us to have so much fun. Thinking that as you die there. Thinking how your brother's screams will fill the forest. left then, I think he thought I was dead. Certainly must look out. Most of my insides are in my hands. If I keep them pressed to my chest, I can hold them in, but I can't keep them pressed to this too much longer. Then that, I'm afraid, will be that. I'm sorry, Michael. I'm so sorry. Instead of him letting him just kill me, he's now determined to kill us both. I'm sorry I won't be there to protect you. I'm sorry for all the things you're going to have to do in your world. I'm sorry I won't be there to see the happy times in your life or to see you through the sad ones. You'll have to be strong. You'll have to be brave. Mother Moon only knows what lies ahead for you. But I'm not going to let that fell thing kill you. Stood up, ignoring the pain. Pain means I'm alive. I need to stay alive. I try to run. My body cries out. I ignore it and push my legs into working, moving forward as fast as I can. I know where he's going. He'll get you by the trees, where he almost got me that first thing. I moved through the woods, arm clenched around my chest, teeth biting hard into my lip to stop myself from passing out. I need to do this. I've let you down, I've screwed up. I need to do this. I collapse. Lying down feels so good. Soon I'll be lying down for all eternity, but not just yet. Drag myself into a sitting position. I can see him lurking at the edge of the forest. I can see you walking along the road. Hello. I smile. Final smile. It's so good to see you. Five more steps as you saunter along the road, and you'll be right beside him. Can't have that. 
kind of that. Mako, have a good life. Be strong. Be good. There are almost so many things you wanted to do. I'm going to make sure you get to them all. One last push. Through all the pain. Grab the pain. Use it. This needs to work. After this, I'll have nothing. I'll be nothing. One enormous breath. One gigantic shout. One word to send you far, far away. At least, that's what I hear in my head. My lungs and my breath let me down, and only a trickle of sound comes out. I've used everything just to get here. I have nothing left. I can't stop him. Maybe you're better, maybe you're stronger. I'm so sorry. The last thing I see before my eyes close is that awful thing stepping out before you on the path. Run, Michael. Just turn and run. Hear my thoughts, even if you can't hear my words. Turn and run. I have to think you got away. And my eyes will not open anymore to call me a liar. <laughs>